Hello, quarantine! Welcome back to House Music with me, Steve Pretty. This is the show where we've been trying to convince you that you are far more musical than you think. And we've been doing that with the help of some special guests and the contents of your lockdown kitchen. Thank you so much for all the lovely feedback, by the way. Uh, it's great to hear that so many of you are loving the new artwork by Nicholas Burrows. If you like that, do check out his other work. He also designed my band, Hackney Colliery Band's recent album art, and he's done some incredible stuff. Thanks so much for the feedback on the latest episode as well. Uh, that was the one where we looked at how Melody works with pop singer Eliza and tried to use your kitchen forks as musical tuning forks to look at the building blocks of melody. Now this time we're looking at what happens when you take a melody and do something very simple to it. Add a single note. This is a snippet of some music that I wrote for a TV drama series called Cold Call in 2019. There's not that much to it, right? Just a single note. I mean, it's not exactly Mozart, is it? But this apparently very simple musical piece is actually part of an extremely ancient tradition, certainly stretching back tens of thousands of years and most likely much further than that. This is known as a drone. Now, of course, drones have had a bit of a bad press recently. Uh, I don't know if you can stretch your mind back to when the drones closed Gatwick Airport for a bit. Do you remember that? Happier times, wasn't it? Happier times. Uh, anyway, if you have heard of musical drones, it might feel like a bit of a niche subject for just episode six of this show. I mean, when you've got experimental musicians like Lamont Young, uh, John Cale, Lou Reed, who've released whole albums of drone music, um, Lou Reed's Metal Machine Music, for example, is an album consisting entirely of guitar feedback noise. So why are we doing an episode on that? John Cage, uh, the composer probably best known for his piece, 4 minutes 33 seconds, which has no notes in it at all. Uh, and he's never one to be outdone in the taking an interesting idea to its logical extreme stakes. John Cage wrote a drone piece that takes 639 years to perform. So however long lockdown is, you're not in danger of missing that particular gig. It started in 2001 in a church in Germany and it isn't scheduled to finish until the year 2640 at 11pm. But the truth is that if you watch much TV or film, you have probably listened to far more drone music than almost anything else. Drones have been used pretty much ubiquitously for many years and although they are often barely perceptible, TV and film drama would sound very different without them. In fact, drones like this, or this, are often the most lucrative music that TV and film composers write because royalties are paid per minute of music and drones are so ubiquitous that composers, admittedly those far more successful than me, they tell stories about having bought houses off the royalties from a single five minute drone piece which has been used in endless film and TV shows. So if you're listening TV and film producers, I have many drones available. If that sounds crazy, right, check, check this out. What kind of key opens a banana? What kind of key opens a banana? I don't know. A monkey. A monkey? Amazing. Right, now check it out with added drone. What kind of key opens a banana? What kind of key opens a banana? I don't know. A monkey. A monkey? Amazing. And suddenly there's a sense of drama or some sort of darker context. And I think it's reasonable to say that 
This is because drones somehow transport us back to our caveman roots. That that single note can, on some level, in our primeval lizard brain, take us back to the sound of the wind, maybe, or the or the sea, or perhaps the cave itself. Because actually, big spaces like caves and uh, more recently cathedrals. These big reverberant spaces naturally aid the creation of these drones because one sound bounces around the space and kind of overlaps with the next sound and they all kind of merge into this one evolving note. So sticking a quiet drone under some dialogue or an otherwise innocuous scene can elevate things for the listener, connecting them with this sense of being in a large space unsure of where the note is coming from or why it's there. But the other reason that these single held notes known as drones are effective is because of that musical brain of ours which is constantly in a state of trying to decipher how one pitch relates to the next. Now, even though we don't think about them in this way consciously, our voices are constantly changing in pitch as we speak. For example, here's how that last sentence sounds if you decode the pitches. Our voices are constantly changing in pitch as we speak. So by adding a single held note, our brains immediately start to hear the relationship between dialogue or even sound effects and natural sounds and this droning pitch. Our voices are constantly changing in pitch as we speak. And it's this pitch relationship, this ability for them to give context and shape to melodies that has made drones important for almost all musical cultures across the world. Instruments with coincidentally quite cool names like the hurdy-gurdy, the didgeridoo, the tambura, the shruti box and loads of others, these all provide this drone and serve this same function of giving the melody a kind of home tone, a, a note which gives context to the melodies that come over the top. Now one musical culture that features drones very heavily is Indian classical music. In northern India uh, there's instruments like the sitar uh, that have just a few melody strings. The melody is just played on a very small number of strings but they also have around 15 drone and so-called sympathetic strings and these vibrate uh, alongside the melody strings and they create a kind of musical cushion which the melody can float over. But my guest today is from the South Indian tradition. Jyotsna Srikanth is a violinist from Bangalore who trained in the Carnatic style of South India which uses drone instruments like the tambura. She's very well known as a violinist in that tradition, but she's also a fantastically open-minded musician who loves collaborating with the music of different cultures. And we first worked together back in um, 2016 when I produced an album for the Bollywood Brass Band, which features her writing and playing. We've subsequently made uh, another EP together with the Bollywood Brass Band, and we toured this material together a great deal. And it's just always such a joy to work with her because she's this kind of force of nature 
Um, she's always travelling the world, or, well, until recently, of course, travelling the world, performing with a huge variety of musicians in all sorts of different styles and contexts. And if you can believe it, until recently, she was also working as a medical doctor alongside this international performing career. I mean, I frankly can't keep up. She's just showing up the rest of us musicians as the lazy layabouts that we always feared we were and were told we were by society. Hey, Jotsna, how are you doing? Hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. <laughs> One minute. I just here in Bangalore. Oh, you're in Bangalore? I wasn't sure if you were in Bangalore or in, uh, in London. Yeah. The uh, Indian borders are closed. I'm not able to fly. So... Could you introduce yourself and what you do as a musician? I am Jyotsna Shrikant and I come from the south of India, from Bangalore. And I have practiced Carnatic music, which is traditional music from South India. I practice violin vocal. So I'm just going to interrupt Jyotsna here for a minute to explain what violin vocal is. In the Indian classical tradition, as a soloist, the first thing you learn to do is how to sing. Um, and then you specialise in a specific instrument after that. That's because, as we'll discuss in a little bit, the most important thing in this tradition is the ability to play and improvise melodies and, and kind of bend them around like a singer might. So the first project that Jotsna and I worked on together was a record called Carnatic Connections, which explored how Western musicians might approach playing and improvising in a South Indian context. For me, the standout track on this record is a tune called Deva Deva, and it starts with a very, very prominent drone which kind of continues throughout. So I wanted to see what she had to say about the relationship between drones and melody in that tradition. Shruti means pitch. See, Sari Gama Padani are the seven notes of Indian music, like you have the Dorami Fasulati. So what we do is in all Indian concerts, classical concerts, we have a drone which is tuned to this first and the fifth note as reference points of pitch. Now when she's talking about the first and the fifth notes of the scale, those are the notes that we looked at as having that nice mathematically pure relationship with each other back in episodes four and five. Do go back and check that out if you need a refresher. But essentially all you need to know is that those notes kind of give this piece a sense of home. They they ground it. There's various names for them in different cultures around the world, but in Indian classical music, they're often known as Jiva Swaras. Jiva means life. There is one note, which is the life of the Raga. And, and uh, so the, the, the life of the Raga, if you like, that's a very important part of that drone. And that, that's what provides the kind of context for the melody to, to be played over the top. Is that right? Yes, yes, yes. So... In Indian classical music, there are a few different instruments that you can use to, to create this context note, this jiva swara, this drone. Stringed instruments like the tambura, uh, as well as reed instruments related to church organs like the harmonium. And often in the lineup for a concert of Indian classical music, you'll have a soloist, uh, maybe a violin or a sort of flute called a bansuri. You might have one or more percussionist um, and one or more drone instruments. But given the importance of this drone to a soloist, it can mean that even pre-lockdown, practising can get expensive and time-consuming if you're employing someone essentially just to sit there and play a single note. But recently, technology has stepped in with all sorts of apps and clever boxes. And this example, see, now this is uh, tuned to G. 
Sapa 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 could I just ask, with that uh, electronic version, it's, what's interesting about it is that it recreates, I think, the slight flexibility, the, the modulation in pitch, the kind of waveringness. So there's a there's a sense that it's not just one note. You couldn't just do it with a, a like a synthesizer that just held down one clean note. There's, that, there's a sense that that movement is quite important. Yes. Is that right? Yes. 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 You're right. For me, this is the interesting thing about drones. It's not just enough to play a single static, unwavering note. It's microtonal shifts. It's these little bits of pushing and pulling of of movement of pitch up and down. That's what makes them interesting. So just a standard tuning fork, that would make a terrible drone. You want something with some modulation. That's what this wavering is called, modulation and, and some sort of complexity and depth. And that's what makes creating good drones for TV and film interesting and actually surprisingly challenging because you need enough consistency that the pitch is definable that it still gives that context to a piece but also enough variation and unpredictability that the brain finds it kind of intriguing on a subconscious level it tries to do the kind of mental maths to work out those relationships and weirdly this complexity is present in quite a lot of household objects believe it or not Your hoover, your blender, your kettle, these all have this wavering, unusual, but still quite consistent pitch sound. But anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Before we go off looking around the house, let's hear Jotsna playing with a drone. I'm going to accompany her on my shruti box. Now, this is a beautiful instrument that is derived from the harmonium. It's uh, a wooden box with reeds in it and these are I think metal reeds uh, in the case of this box that I have and it's got a kind of bellows on the back of it it looks like a kind of box accordion that just sits on your desk or wherever I'll put a photo on my uh, social media this is a lovely shruti box I have made in the UK actually but they are quite portable and they're used quite often in Indian classical music to accompany the soloist Now normally you can't collaborate over the internet as musicians uh, in real time because uh, you it's very hard to get sync the timing up but i thought given that the drone uh, is you know the, the timing isn't isn't crucial it's it's just that that held no i wondered if we might be able to remote collaborate <laughs> with me playing a, a drone and you soloing over the top yes what time is it there do you have a, a particular rug that you would normally play at this time of of day it's 11 p.m yeah here yeah maybe some evening rug i'll play yeah, so could you just very briefly talk about the fact that in Indian classical music, often ragas, which are essentially a bit like Western scales, right? They have a kind of similarity to Western scales. In the Indian tradition, it's customary to play things for certain occasions, certain times of day. Is that... Right? There is relative times of ragas used to be very strictly followed in those days, but now it's a little bit relaxed. There are particular ragas performed during a particular part of uh, the day. There are morning ragas, afternoon ragas, and, uh, noon ragas, afternoon ragas, evening ragas. 
all this. And there are some ragas which can be played at all times. And there are ragas which denote a particular season. You know, India has six seasons against the four seasons of the West. So there is there are ragas for spring, summer, snow, and there are also ragas for our uh, emotions. There are supposed to be nine emotions. So every emotion, like even feeling sad, anger, even jealousy, that is also emotion. There are ragas which also depict emotions. Okay, fantastic. So what would you like to uh, play for us now? I'll just get my violin. Okay. This is a, a raga called Purvi Kalyani, normally played uh, in the evenings and also after evenings. Okay? Perfect. Okay, Thank I know my, my drone here. The scale works like this. Sari gama pada pasan, sani I'll play a short alap. Alap is improvisation without uh, uh, rhythm. So they're both really beautiful. I mean, your playing is is wonderful as always. But um, but yeah, this it's completely different without the drone, isn't it? It just feels yeah. very empty. And I wonder if it's the pitch, the difference in pitch as well, because the drone is quite low, and obviously the violin is quite a high instrument. And you're improvising, uh, you know. No, like that. In all pitches, it sounds very nice. Any pitch, it sounds nice. <laughs> and mm. uh, see, these drones are also used for meditation to mm. to get in that concentration when you meditate. Mm-hmm. That's another use of drone. If you really want to concentrate and meditate, want some tranquility and peace inside, you could do that. Thanks so much, Jotsana. Yeah. I really appreciate chatting. That's, and that was lovely, beautiful playing as always, of course. Thanks, Chi. Yeah, bye. I think Jotsana said something really interesting just there. This thing she talked about with meditation and, and concentration, right? Because we've touched on this before in this show, but for me, the process of becoming more musical is so much about just tuning your ears into the sounds around you, musical or otherwise. I should say that you never really get to the end of this. Musicians continue to evolve this throughout their entire lives. It's not like you suddenly take your grade 8 and then are allowed to be a musician and there's nothing more to know. It's an ongoing process. The more I learn about, for example, music production, the more it's opened my ears to hearing new things, even in the most seemingly mundane of pop songs. Or the more I learn about harmony, the more it unlocks these sort of secrets of classical music or jazz. It's this constant process of discovery, and that's what I want this show to be about. Now, I've spent quite a lot of time working with 
Indian classical musicians. And it's, it's interesting that when I found myself in an intensive care unit this time last year, just after my son was born and had some complications, I found it incredibly helpful to be able to tune my ears in to this, the incessant sounds of the machines and, and kind of find something musical in the interaction of these different tones, the hum of a, a respirator the, and the beep of a, of a heart monitor. It's, it sounds kind of bleak, but actually giving my brain something to do in that way, thinking about those things as musical tones, I found weirdly satisfying and, and helpfully distracting. And I think maybe in this strange time that we're living through, maybe that's quite a useful thing for us all. So as you're binging that trashy box set or, or you're nobly catching up on that Korean cinema that you've been putting off for ages, do try listening out for these drones. See if you can coax a little bit of that heightened awareness that we talked about from that musical brain of yours. And it is a musical brain, as we've covered. We all have musical brains. Now, each episode we give you a little activity to do to play around with some of the ideas that we've been talking about in the show. And for our little activity this week, we took that exploratory spirit and we tried to find household objects that we might be able to get a convincing drone from. So dig out that hoover. If you're anything like us, it might be ironically gathering dust in a cupboard somewhere. Uh, put the kettle on and let's do this. Oh, and if you've um, got an iPad or an iPhone, we might be able to use that too. All right, so I'm here again with my lockdown partner slash life partner, uh, in that order, Joe. Howdy. Uh, and we are going to be making some household drones. We've got um, this GarageBand app. If you've got an Apple phone or an Apple iPad, so load it up and then press create song. And then it will come up with different options. You find the keyboard and then don't press it. I pressed it. <laughs> you pressed it. But basically what you want is the sample sampler thing. It did come up on the right thing as it happens. But there's some options down the bottom. Smart piano alchemy synth sampler is what you want. So you want to go for sampler. And it comes up, and there's a big red, red button that says start, and that is obviously what you do start it. So what we now need to do is find some drones. So let's go straight in, let's go straight in with the big guns. We did our um, fortnightly hoover. <laughs> we very much let our standard slip. Is this going to wake the children? Yeah. Great. That's, it's become a theme. So we just need to move the iPad over. Um, I'll, I'll start the engines, I'll, I'll get it revving. Okay. So am I just going to hold it? Just hold it near. Hold it near. So I'm going to press... And then press start. All right. But probably press start after I started it, so you don't want it going on. Got you. Just the, yeah, the sound of okay. it running. So here it goes. Don't wake up children. All right. So it's better... Yeah, so you stopped it while it was going, going off. But ideally, you just want a clean, uh, sort of steady drone right. sound. But all right, so that's what it sounds like. Um, just pressing one of the keys. But then, where it gets more droney, uh, that's the note of that. Where it gets more droney is if you go take it down. So it's a bit, bit more droney down there. I'm going to press the a little arrow on the left-hand side of the screen. So it's now a bit more like an airplane drone. If you press the sustain button, that'll hold it, so you don't need to hold it down. You can just try some different keys. And so that's just, how, what, what is that doing exactly? So what that's doing is we've rec recorded the hoover, right? And that is, the picture of the hoover is this. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. that's just the that's recording what it of the Yeah. But that has got a note to it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right? And then this is just mapping that over a keyboard. Right, piano okay. keyboard. Right, right, right. So you can just move it around. Ah, uh, okay, right. Mm-hmm. This is how sort of you know samplers have, have worked throughout the eight well throughout the ages since they rented in the eighties, um, <laughs> the um, and so then you can trim trim the little sample so you don't get the mm-hmm. end that end bit if you want, just with the slider up there. Yeah. But really, what we're looking for is just that that kind of sustained like sound. Being on a plane. Exactly, it's, it's like being on a plane. But once you tune your ear into it, you can kind of hear it as a as a pitch, and and again by moving it around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose it's the comparison that makes you be able to hear it. Yeah, exactly. It Otherwise, yeah. you just hear it as sort of white noise, yeah. just like background. Uh-huh. And so therefore, then you can play sort of several keys at once. And if you press the sustain button, you slide it over, you can, when you press one, it'll hold it down. Melodic. <laughs> it still does sound, basically still does sound like a Uber, <laughs> doesn't it? But I wonder if you go even lower, what happens? Starting to get into slightly more droney territory, and then you can go if you're feeling fancy. You can go to the effects mm-hmm. section. There's a little mm-hmm. mixing desk icon, and you can put some uh, reverb on it, some echo. So it's getting slightly more into TV droney territory. What you're looking for in a good drone is something that has got a pitch, but it isn't too static. Oh, what do you mean by, by static? static? I mean that it just sounds the same all the way through. I see, I see. It's got a bit of uh, so it's got a, to a it. bit of movement mm-hmm. to it. A bit of movement to it. So we should try something else. Let's try uh, the kettle. Kettle's okay. a good, good droning source. So I'm now going to go back in. I'm going to press the new sample button. So I'm just going to turn the kettle on and, uh, and then get the sampling. Wait till it's steady. Right, so now that sounds like this. It's the kettle. All right, so we've got our kettle drone, and we've got our. How would you describe this? A children's stacking toy, stacking ring toy. It's stack and discover rings. Yeah, it was it was uh, very kindly given to us by um, a, a neighbour, and our son, who's one, loves it, but uh, we hate it. It's awful. Thanks, thanks, neighbours, but. Yeah, we hate it, but we appreciate his gesture, and he loves it. Anyway, uh, it sounds like this. Vaguely more ominous. Stacking is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Stacking is creepy. <laughs> so have fun making the mundanity of lockdown life that little bit more dramatic by the use of your kettle drones, your Hoover drones, or maybe your Blender drones. I'm sure there is an Android sampler app that you can do the same thing with if you have an Android phone. And thank you very much to my guest, Jotsna, this week. Uh, Do check out her social media, Violin Jotsna, and she's doing all sorts of uh, live-streamed concerts from her lockdown house in Bangalore, which are well worth watching. And if you've enjoyed this episode, do hit subscribe to join me next time. That's really, really helpful. It really helps us out. Um, And send me pictures and videos or maybe your voice memos of your drones that you've created I'd be genuinely really interested to hear what you've managed to get drone tones out of Um, I'm at Steve Pretty on Twitter 
and Instagram, or you can email the show at housemusic at stevepretty.com. It's housemusic at stevepretty.com. And speaking of social media, there is a whole lot of other stuff on my social media at the moment too, uh, including a brand new track that I made for a show called Sea Shambles, which was supposed to be at the Albert Hall this week, but instead went out online. It's really fantastic. Do check that out on YouTube. Just search Sea Shambles. The whole show is available. It's over three hours long. Uh, my bit's near the beginning, and I've released a brand new track from that show um, called Flores, uh, which I urge you to check out. It includes some underwater musical experiments that I did in a scuba training pool before lockdown. Yeah, you might need to check that out on YouTube to see what I mean. We will see you in a couple of weeks' time to continue to hopefully help you open your ears. And from me and my producer, Miranda, stay safe and have fun. <laughs>